Let's Talk Adults, the podcast where we bring you adults entertainment for the adults entertainment curious. My name is Glenn King. I've been an adults film producer slash director slash performer for nearly 20 years now. So I'm a good guy to help you figure out what's going on behind the scenes of the industry and figure out um, what what it's like to be in the adult film industry. And normally we bring you adult performers, female performers usually, who can talk to us about uh, their passions and their great days on set and their bad days on set. But today is a very special, special day because we're going to answer some questions. We've gotten so many great questions from people about the industry and hey could i get in the industry or what if i want to start making my own content or how could i make money out there and whether that is somebody in california or somebody in ohio uh or anywhere else the answer is yes absolutely it's easier to get in the industry than it's ever been so today we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that and to do that i had to go back and bring in a heavy hitter somebody who has a brain that is much bigger than mine and can help me articulate and get this information across to you. And that, of course, is my co-host, the great Jim Williams. Well, you're very kind to say that. Um, you have a good but, brain. Well, there, at times, it has its moments. <laughs> I will say that. It's uh, good to be back with you, partner. Been a while. It's good to have you, yeah. I, I got to tell you, this is a topic, and you, you, you hit it right on the head. Uh, if we get... One question, we get a hundred questions, and it all pretty much has to do with people wanting to do what you do. Right. Um, and it ain't easy, friends and neighbors, because if it were, then everybody would be doing it, and they're not. Right. And that's why Glenn is indeed the king. Uh, so, King, question for you. Yeah. How, how do you get started in that industry? Yeah, so here's the thing. The the question that people usually ask is, how do I become a performer in the industry? And then my mm-hmm. answer is, you do it the way I did it. Um, you don't get to send off a resume and a picture of your uh, of your dick to a porn company and then say, fly me in and shoot me. It just doesn't really work that way. I mean, yeah, okay, it's one in a thousand. If you look like Fabio and you're that well-endowed as well, then yeah, maybe somebody brings you on board. But for the rest of us, what you do is you start shooting your own content. You become your own producer. And so that leads us to the the real question I'm going to answer of how I get started in the industry is I can't tell you how to become a, a male performer in the industry without telling you how to become a producer in the industry. So it works kind of like this. Um, you need to basically figure out in your town what resources do you have to get started if you don't you need to move or or plan on flying to somewhere where you can do it but you're going to need resources like female performers male performers makeup artist perhaps camera person production assistant uh, and a place where you can shoot if you don't have those things in your city then you perhaps are out of luck and you should think about moving or at least visiting a city where those things are. So that leads us to the next question, right, Jim, which is, well, how much money do I need to do this? People, because the answer I always get back after I give the answer of you need to start doing production is, Glenn, I can't afford that. I don't, I just want somebody to pay me to be in the business. I need a job. And here's the problem. 
so did I when I got into the industry. But what I did was first I saved up money doing other things until I had the budget money to get in the industry. That's what people need to do. If this is your passion, this is your dream is to make porn or make adult content, then you need to to save money. And I know people right now who are doing it. They're working as Uber drivers or waiters and waitresses or anything else that or, – or I worked in um, corporate America for six mm-hmm. – uh, actually – 10 years, 12, yeah, a little more years. than that. Yeah. But you know, you bring up a good point and that is, look, I've been in traditional television broadcasting um, since dinosaurs roamed the earth. And at the end of the day, um, if you want to control your own content and develop your own content, you need money or sponsors or whatever it takes. And, and folks, I, you know, what uh, Glenn's talking about, it, it's your best way to do it is, I can't tell you how many projects have failed because they were underfunded. Yeah. And that is something I'm sure that, uh, you know, Glenn, you can talk to as well. I mean, at the end of the day, you need to put down a legitimate concept of how much money you need to raise or save or, you know, however you need to get it, but it's gotta be a legitimate amount and whatever you think you need, double it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, true. But but let me point out, there is good news mm-hmm. we have here in that right. once you make your first couple of scenes, mm-hmm. you can start making money off of it and, and then use that money, reinvest it into the next scene. So it used to be 20 years ago that you would have to budget enough money to make 20 scenes uh, because those scenes were going to go on DVD and then you have to – you know it takes three to four months – for a DVD to come out, and then it would be three more months to uh, to collect the money from the buyers of the DVD. Distributor works that way. So then it would actually take you six or seven months, and you had to build up a huge amount of money to get started. Nowadays, you can make a scene and put it on an OnlyFans site the next day. It's that simple. So that's the good news. The bad news is, is that you do need to budget. Now, here are the things that you're going to need to to take into consideration when you're putting together your budget. Number one. Female talent. Hey, if you are a female talent, skip this. That's the great, you know, that's the reason a lot of female talents are becoming directors. Right. If you're a, a, a female or if you need to hire a female talent, the average rate is about $1,000 for a scene these days. Um, if you want to look in the Daily Beast, Aurora Snow just wrote a great article. I was quoted in the article where she went over these rates. They can be as low as $800, maybe $700, or as high as $1,200, but average rate is 1000 bucks to hire a female talent. As a side note, if you decide, well, I'm just getting started, so I only, I'm only going to pay girls $500, and I know where to get them, that is something you could possibly do. But do keep in mind that when you're hiring talent at below their rates, when they feel like they're being underpaid, they're not necessarily going to take the attitude of that we're trying to make the best content in the world, the attitude would maybe more like, how, how much longer are we going to be here? You know, I, I'm not getting paid much, so I don't, you, know, just, you need to get me in and out. That's not what you want. Um, okay, male talent will cost you mm, – that one ranges a little bit more, but it could be as low as $200, and it can be as high as uh, – well, there are actually male talents who, who work for $1,500 per scene. You know, I would say to budget four to five hundred dollars for male talent. And again, I'm talking about boy girl scenes here, not necessarily fetish scenes. You're also going to need a cameraman, camera person. 
they also range from anywhere from $100 for a scene up to $500 for a scene. You know, you can reasonably find male talent for, for a cameraman for a couple hundred bucks. You can reasonably find male talent for two to $300 as well. You're going to need a production assistant. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have one, but think about what goes wrong and what happens if you don't. So it's little things like, well, what happens if I'm the cameraman and my cords get tangled up behind me? Uh, what happens when we want to move the set around? Do I have somebody there that can help me move furniture? What happens when uh, I need somebody to run to the store because we don't have memory cards? You know, I left the memory cards home that day. That's why you want another person there. I strongly suggest a, that you hire a production assistant if you are a brand new male who has no experience in the industry and is planning on having a talent agent send out a girl to your house or hotel room to shoot a scene. We're going to talk about location next here. But please keep in mind that the female performer is going to be somewhat terrified at that point. They don't know who you are. There are many, many cases where it turns out that the um, producer turns out to be fake. So they're going to be concerned. If they show up and all there is is you and an iPhone or you and a camera, and you just say, okay, perform oral sex on me, they're going to be a little bit suspicious of you, and you're not going to get a good scene. So it's better if you have another person there, especially someone experienced in the industry, so that you can display some professionalism. Continuing along, just a couple more things here, Jim, on this question. Location. You do need to think about a location. So you can shoot in a hotel room. A lot of people do that. However, there's a downside to that. You know, Las Vegas is a little easy because in this town, every hotel room is full of somebody that's doing something illegal. But in your town, it might be kind of a weird thing to have a bunch of people walking into a hotel room with some camera equipment. And the noise might be leaking through from your room to another room. And somebody may call security on you. And if you do get busted up in the middle of your shoot, think about the money you're going to lose that day because you can't just tell the per the performer, oh, sorry, we got busted. You don't get paid. If you do that, nobody's going to shoot for you anymore. So you need to um, to consider where you can shoot that's a safe location. Maybe it's your house. Maybe you're going to rent somebody else's facility. There are studios in many cities where you can shoot porn. Um, especially in Las Vegas and in Los Angeles and in New York and in Florida. Okay, so that's the location. Oh, location costs, they can range. We charge 35 bucks an hour for my studio. It's very reasonably priced. A lot of studios charge $65, $70, $100 an hour, and you can rent a house in a lot of cases for $500 a day. Let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, you're in the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, in my business, there are a number of different cameras. All of them do a number of different things, and they're very expensive, and they're hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay? Right. Tell me about – step. walk me through what cameras you would recommend if, you know, somebody's going to have to go out and buy a camera to start this process um, or rent a camera to start this process – what would you recommend they do to start that aspect off? Well, this is a good news one. Um, when I first got in the industry, you really had to spend, I would say, $3,000 on a camera. Nowadays, you don't. Uh, there's really no one camera that is the best for this. 
I use a 4K uh, Panasonic camera. I've got several of them I got on on uh, from Amazon. But any camera that shoots 4K and has some autofocus capabilities uh, and has <clears throat> has gives you some ability to adjust, like white balance. You know, if your camera doesn't have a, a white balance function, then it's probably not going to be what you need. Uh, but if you can at least get a camera that has some basic capabilities and shoots at 1080p or 4K, then that that's kind of all you need. Uh, but let me suggest that in addition to camera, you buy a what they call a boom microphone. So essentially that is where you put a microphone on a pole, and then you put it kind of above or pointing towards your subjects. Why do you need this? Why is it so important? Because when you walk around with the camera and you're using the microphone that's on the camera, that means there's going to be more sound as you get closer to the subject and then less as you move away from it. So sound tends to sound kind of weird because you're not keeping the camera in one place. You will get much better sound if you get a boom microphone. And that's where your production assistant comes in, right? Because the production assistant can uh, point the... the um the microphone in a direction where they can get the best optimal sound. Yeah. I mean, my production assistant, I mean, th that is the way it used to be that you literally paid a person to stand on set uh, called a grip who would have a, um, or boom operator who would, who you would mm -hmm. just have holding a stick and he would position it. But I think it's easier these days to just get a pole and position mm -hmm. it and make sure it's pointing towards your subjects. Now, do make sure it's pointing down and not up because you tend <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> – there's a lot of noise that goes on in the ceilings in right. most places. In a house, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. if you're shooting in an office where they have these ceiling tiles, once you mm -hmm. start getting into tiles, you'll find there are birds that you can hear and you know things moving around up there, air conditioning vents and whatever. Right. So careful on that one. So a couple other things that you need to get. Uh, makeup artist. Very, very few amateur independent producers use a makeup artist. I have always used a makeup artist. And if you go look out there, you can see a humongous difference. There are very few performers who know how to do their own theatrical makeup. And when you use a makeup artist, that'll cost you about 100 to $200 a day. You'll find that you look a lot more professional and glamorous, uh, your performers do. One more thing I want to mention before we move on from the budget question, and that's on-set supplies. Uh, you do need to think about in advance all the things that you're going to need because it's not just a, a couple of things. First off, you want to provide water to your talent. You would think that's obvious, but I, I talk to talent all the time that say, well, they didn't have any water on set. At a minimum, water, douches baby wipes. Uh, you need some Lysol because you're going to want to sanitize your set before you have people operate on it. You're going to want some hand sanitizer. That one is especially important if you think you might ever be visited by Occupational Safety and Health, OSHA, which hands out fines when they go to workplaces that they deem are not safe. Uh, I also like to put out cookies. Cookies are kind of a symbolic reward that everyone loves. Puts everybody in a good mood. Put out a $3 plate of cookies. Uh, a veggie tray. I put out a veggie tray as well. And then, uh, oh, and energy drinks. You do not want to be two hours into your shoot and realize that your your performers are just completely tired and out of gas. And the best way to do that is just have a couple of Red Bulls in the refrigerator next to set. 
And then uh, um, lastly, and this is a rule that I use, and, and you all can decide whether you want to do it as well, but it should be a rule for everybody. If you're going to keep your talent on set for more than five hours, you should supply them with a meal. Otherwise, you're going to end up at the day with some very hungry people that just want to get out of there. I just have the Subway app on my phone, and before we start shooting, I ask everybody to place their Subway order, and then everybody gets to eat in between the photos and the uh, videos. So that's kind of what you need to budget, Jim. Yeah, what about – I think there's a point there that you have that's very, very important. And this has been the situation, you know, in, in productions I've been involved with for many, many t- years. And that is the importance of acting and being 100% professional. Because you're only going to get one or two chances in this situation to, to make it. And the better content you make is usually the more professional content you make. So you need to treat people well. You need to... The little things that you just talked about, the cookies, the, you know, fruit, the just little things like that go a long way to showing you're professional, including the way you dress when you show up for these things. Absolutely. That is something I didn't think of, but I should have in that um, so many people just I, I hear for this from performers all the time, the independent performers, that they get these emails from the producer that just starts with. Hey, yo, I want to book you. And you have to think of yourself as an employer and you have to speak professionally to people. And by the way, the the same thing goes on the other side. If you're a performer and you're applying for a job, don't just send something, an email that says, hi, I'd like to be hired or put me in your videos. It it should be, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm an independent performer. I have my measurements are like this. Here's my experience. And so here's why I'd like to work for you. Here's why I think it'd be good. Stuff like that. But yeah, you do want to come across as being professional because your reputation as a producer will spread very fast. If you do the things that I've told you to do here in providing a professional set, the first independent performer that you hire, assuming that you have a pretty good day with her on set, she'll tell her friends, hey, I shot for so-and-so last week. He's great. You should contact him and tell him that you're interested in shooting for him. And then you'll be able to get more performers that way. Hey, Glenn, what about wardrobe? Do you supply wardrobe or do you ask the person to bring their own? Traditionally in our industry, performers bring their own wardrobe. And that kind of works well because you know they need to be able to fit into the wardrobe. Now, depending on what kind of scene you shoot, though, if you're shooting teenage, you know, teen babysitters number seven, well, it's right. easy for a performer to just bring a pair of shorts and a tank top. Mm-hmm. If, like us, you're shooting a femdom ass worship number 42, right? you're, you're going to need your talent to wear fetish-type clothing. So we at my studio have a very large wardrobe section with all kinds of costumes and fetish outfits. I go on Amazon from time to time and just see what kind of new latex uh, fetish outfits that they have, and I order them. So my suggestion there is that every time that you buy some wardrobe for something specific you want to shoot, you need to keep that. Wash it after you're done and put it in a safe place. Build a little wardrobe rack for yourself so that you've got options. And I would say, by the way, that around hmm, 35, 30% of the time, about a third of the time, the performer shows up with the wardrobe we ask her to bring. 
but it doesn't really fit what I wanted her to wear. And so I go to my own wardrobe. So about a third of the time, I'm supplying the wardrobe for the talent. Go ahead, Jim. And I was just going to say, I'm sure you make suggestions with regard to, you know, what uh, to wear that day. Or if, you know, if you're uh, talking to the talent, you say, hey, look, I've got, uh, this is what the scene's going to be like. Please, um, here's some suggestions on what you might pull out of your closet to bring with you. Jim, you just made an incredibly great point. So if you're an independent producer, pay attention to this part of the podcast. You might not remember the rest of it, but do remember this. Because I hear from agents all the time that they deal with producers who don't give them the information that they need for a scene. When you book a talent or you book through an agency, the day before, they're going to contact you and say, hey, what are the details for my scene? You need to put together a professional email or response back to them at that point that has all of the information that they're going to need because otherwise it's your fault if they show up without it. So that means you're going to tell them, hey, uh, yes, thank you for asking. The call time tomorrow is 10 a.m. Here's the location. Here's the address. Uh, there's the makeup artist. You tell them there's either a makeup artist on set or you say uh, come makeup ready. That means you expect the talent to have done her own makeup. You're going to say, here's the wardrobe, and when you say wardrobe, you say, here's the type of scene we're doing. It's a dungeon scene, so um, here's what we're asking you to bring, some fetish wear, latex, etc. Mm-hmm. And here's the male talent that you're going to be working with. Here's his name, and then mm-hmm. here's a list of things that you're going to be doing in the scene. You're going to be doing uh, ass worship, foot worship, face sitting, and we're going to finish off with uh, uh, you know, oral sex. And if you don't say those things, so I know of a specific incident where a friend of mine was shooting a a face-sitting scene. It was like a smothering type deal. When Mm -hmm. the talent gets there, you know, they get to that part of the scene and she says, hey, I I don't – my agent didn't tell me I was doing that. I don't want to do that. And he was dumbfounded and he said, how can that be? I'm not going to – I mean anybody does face-sitting. We're not asking for Mm -hmm. anything complicated here. So she goes and calls her agent, and then her agent says, well, you didn't ask for that in advance, and you know we'd rather you not do it, and he was upset. But here's the problem. She may have had something going on that she wasn't – You know, if it was a fetish scene and there was no sex in it and there was just face sitting, she may have felt that she could do the other things on the list but had you know some kind of problem uh, going on down there that – that would prevent her from being able to do right. face sitting. You know what I mean? That's why you tell them in advance. So there are no right. surprises when, when they get right. there. A hygienic situation that um, physically she had no choice of, about. Possibly. Right. Yeah. You never know. So I don't want to speculate here. But, no, no. Yeah, just say you know. that the, it's so very important that you, that you make this, you do this on an ongoing basis, that you have a call sheet for that day that gives the name, of, the, of what you're going to do, what you need to do, who's going to be there, what time they have to be there, and what they're going, what you expect of them, and you don't deviate from that. Don't spring something on somebody when they show up because that is not a good plan. Absolutely. Well, Jim, we're going to talk about the legal aspects that you need to plan for, such as paperwork and what kind of content you should make. But first, we need to talk about our great sponsor, Sext Panther. Sext Panther, S E X T P A N T H E R. Sext Panther 
is the way that you, the people that are listening to the podcast, can All build intimate relationships with the people that you hear on my podcast. In other words, you've heard Christy Canyon on my podcast. You've heard Ginger Lynn on my podcast. You've heard uh, uh, Christina Rose on the podcast. And you fell in love with them on the podcast and were wondering, how can I talk to these people and get to know them and let them get to know me? Well, the answer is Sext Panther. Sext Panther gives you the ability to text and talk on the phone with your favorite adult performer. Just go to sextpanther.com. Look for your favorite performer on there. It's usually just your name. It's just usually just sextpanther.com slash Christy Canyon. So then you can get on there and you can send her a dick pic and she can evaluate it. Or you can just ask her uh, in like Ginger Lynn was telling me that most of the guys that contact her on there just want to ask her questions about her life in, in the porn industry and in the mainstream uh, film industry. So, you know, you can do that. And, and it's so great because back in the old times, we really didn't have any way of contacting our favorite porn star and getting to know them. But but now you do. And, and you can really spawn some great friendships or you can really get some great videos and pictures from your favorite talent. Also, if you are a talent, if you're one of the many performers who listen to our podcast You've got thousands and thousands of followers on Twitter and thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. And you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I monetize all this great customer base, all this great fan base of mine? This is how you do it, is you sign up to be a performer on Sext Panther, and then you can then build the kind of intimate relationships with your fans that you've always wanted to build, while at the same time getting paid to do it. So go to sexpanther.com, whether you're a performer or whether you are a uh, fan, go to sexpanther.com and start enjoying yourself today. Jim, how does that spelled again? It's spelled S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com, sexpanther.com. All right, so- Spelling lessons always throw me a little bit. Sorry about that. (laughs) No problem. but uh, it's in the show box, folks. Uh, always in the show box. So don't don't worry about it. We'll, you can find it, and you'll have a lot of fun. It's a it's a great opportunity to do that. Now, we're going to talk about two things. One, the paperwork and the legal aspect of how this goes down, because those are two things you absolutely better know a little bit about. Right. You don't want to go to jail. I think you. Uh, we can all agree <laughs> on this, right? Yeah. So. The adult film industry is a little different than hiring somebody to cut your grass or to um, do some accounting for you. You need to make sure not only that you are shooting performers who are over the eight, over 18 years of age, but also that you have paperwork that proves it. So United States has something called 2257 laws. It's actually a registry law, <laughs> believe it or not. So not actually yeah. created by Congress, but it's a law. It's, it's being challenged in court right now, too. But point being that the law was put in place to prevent people from shooting underage performers, and it basically says that you need um, a statement from the performer that he or she is over 18 years of age and then an ID that goes along with it. So you have this thing that's called a 2257 model release. They're standard. They're everywhere. You can get one by going to freespeechcoalition.com. I, I suggest you sign up to being a, a for being a member of freespeechcoalition.com. They have a, a variety of resources that they can provide you with, and it's not very expensive, and, and they can also help you 
with the testing system, which we'll cover in a few minutes. But that document that's the 2257 release form actually has two things built into it. It used to be an eight or 10 page document when I got in the industry. It's now a one pager. And it says two important things. Number one, it has a statement from the performer affirming that she's over 18. And number two, it has a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo that says that she grants you or he grants you the right to use his or her likeness for whatever you want. Now, imagine this scenario happens to you, which has happened to me. Imagine you shoot somebody. You spend all the money of doing the scene. You've spent $2,500 for that day. And then three weeks later, she contacts you and says, hey, you know what? I'm dating this famous celebrity now, and he doesn't know about my porn pasts, so I need you to destroy the content that you created. And you're looking at your $2,500 that you spent plus all the time you spent making it and so on and thinking, no way. Well, you really need to have paperwork at that point that says you have the rights to use her likeness. Because if you don't, she can turn around and sue you and say, uh, hey, I never gave him permission to do this. I mean, I know we were there that day and I filmed it, but I thought it was just for private usage and didn't realize that it was for this. And, and so then you're in trouble. But yeah, so you need that 2257 paperwork and you also need copies of the IDs. Now, traditionally, people will get at least two IDs, if not three IDs. The reason you do that, the, the law only calls for one, but it is very important that you get uh, a second one that's a backup because I have had more than one time, it turns out you thought the copy machine made a clear copy of the person's ID, but you can't really read the uh, the date legibly on there. So get two copies of the ID or two different IDs and get uh, a picture of them holding the ID up to prove that they're the person that's in the ID. You do want to make sure that the picture on the ID matches the person that you've got. Very, very important there. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, so that's a question people often ask is how many IDs. Also, the ID has to be government issued. You can't just get somebody's um, – So that's a driver's Starbucks license, a passport, card. a driver's license, a passport, something long. Or state-issued ID. Right. Those are something really the only three things. On Right. You should be accepting. When somebody brings you their library card, that's a municipal uh, that was issued by a municipality. That's that not the doesn't same thing. count. Yeah. Right. You need a state issued identification or United States issued identification. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, that's the basic paperwork yeah. that you need. Go ahead, ask the question. No, I was just going to say from a legal standpoint, um, you know, should you go to LegalZoom and get uh, some advice on? Contracts, or how best do you do your contracts? Yeah, don't go to LegalZoom because LegalZoom doesn't have anything specialized for the adult entertainment industry that I know of. Mm -hmm. right. You want to go to the freespeechcoalition.com. That's just freespeechcoalition.com okay. and use their industry standard contracts. Don't change the contracts. Just use them as is. That's my suggestion. Use the boilerplate. Use the boilerplate. It's not complicated, these things here. Uh, right, do make so now, sure that you pay your talent, by the way, because yeah. if you don't have what they call consideration, in other words, if you're not paying somebody, uh, then then they can say, well, this is not a valid contract. So it they comes up from you time don't to own time. The, um, they, all can, they can also say you don't own the content. Right. They can claim the rights to that content as well. And, and intellectual property 
you know, uh, lawsuits are, are very rough on the producers. Absolutely. You'll, you'll lose or you'll spend a lot of money trying to fight it. But this is, by the way, so here's, again, I will tell you guys when to pay attention to the podcast. Pay attention to the podcast for a second here. My suggestion is do not use cash to pay your talent. Do not use cash to pay your talent. A lot of you like to do it because you don't like to report taxes and whatever, and it's complicated. But if you don't pay your talent in cash, if you don't pay your talent with a check, what are you going to do when they come back six months later and say, I never got paid for this? He doesn't have the right to use this content. That's why you want to have a check. Now, in some states, by the way, there's some issue as to whether or not you're supposed to pay them as an employee or a contractor, but I'm not going to get into that with you. That's something that you're going to have to it's – a, it's the a next level of complicated. Uh, if you well, want to just start in the beginning and pay them as a contractor, that right. probably works. Well, let me ask you um, with regard to once it's over, do you then uh, ask for the talent to uh, sign a receipt uh, situation where you have paid them for their services – you get a copy of it. They get a copy of a receipt. Well, you don't need that if you paid them with a check because you can okay. always show that they cashed the check. Um, what I do is I write on the check, though, what it's specifically for. So, I mean, you don't want to put something pornographic that can be mm-hmm. the bank is going to look at because banks actually hate porn people for the most part, and they will cancel mm-hmm. accounts if they realize that a, uh, a one of their clients is a porn performer. But, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'll put on their model. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll pay them, say, $1,000, and then I'll say model plus $25 subsidy to help pay for test. That's Let me what ask you, what, what happens if you have someone who is has a stage name? You pay them on their real name or their corporation name. You don't pay them on their stage name. No, I understand, but what I'm saying, how, do, how does that show up on your contracts? Real name. Okay. Just so they you cannot know, agree under their stage name. They're going to have to sign it with their real name. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, good question. I know, I know that um, uh, many times in uh, you know in in a lot of the television work, the person has you know a has a stage name or or a pseudonym or something that they prefer to go by. Uh, it's, it could even be a nickname. Uh, but at the end of the day. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of actually people who are in AFTRA or SAG, right? If if there's two people with the same name in the same market, you have to change your name. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of people going by a name that is basically – I'll give you an example, a uh, famous example, Dan Patrick. We all know Dan. Dan is a sportscaster extraordinaire on the radio. Great, Dan's, great sportscaster. Yeah. Dan's last name is Pugh, P-U-G-H. Um, he adopted the name of, which is his first name and his middle name, Daniel Patrick Pugh. But you know him as Dan Patrick. So when he is paid by the folks at, uh, you know, all the different people that pay Dan, um, they pay him obviously as uh, as Dan, you know, as Dan Pugh, which is his real name. So that was my concern was that, uh, you know, making sure you get the right names on these things. Otherwise, uh, and I know myself, uh, we, we won a case having to do with intellectual property cost us $40,000 to prove that we were right. Hmm. 
And by the way, Dan Patrick has, um, I can't remember the name, but it's some sort of horrible physical disease these days. And my thoughts and prayers go out to him yes. as he fights. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, really one of the most talented sportscasters of all time, the great Dan Patrick. Well, let's talk about obscenity laws. People always ask me about obscenity laws because nobody's ever really defined them. And you see things all the time now, like websites like Clips for Sale and I Want Clips will suddenly make an announcement one day saying, we're no longer accepting content that features the following keywords, uh, peeing uh, or uh, choking, uh, smothering, etc." And you're like, wait a minute, why are you doing that? Is it now illegal to make choking videos? So here's the problem. There is a law in the United States that basically says it's illegal to make or distribute obscenity. What is obscenity? Well, it's one of the only laws in the world where you don't know what's obscenity until it's in front of a uh, until it's in front of a grand jury. So imagine that like you're trying to decide whether or not to run a red light and you're not sure whether it's legal or illegal because you don't wouldn't know until it's in front of a jury. I mean that's a good law in that you know red light means do not go. Obscenity, though, is not defined. You don't know whether it's illegal to make peeing videos or choking videos or whatever. Now, they have um, – by the courts, they created something called the Miller Test, which was in a Supreme Court decision in 1973 called Miller versus California. And it says the basic guidelines for the trier of fact must be A – whether the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that work taken as a whole it means they got to watch the whole thing appeals to the prurient interest b whether the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct specifically designed by the applicable state law, state law and c whether the work taken as a whole lacks serious artistic political or scientific value so what does all that mean it means that they can kind of take anything they want and and try you or indict you on obscenity charges. And here's the thing, they rarely actually win obscenity cases, but when they but it doesn't matter because you're going to spend 5, 6, 700, you're going to spend every dollar you have on defending yourself. And in 98% of all cases, you don't have enough money to defend yourself, so you're going to settle for some kind of deal that involves you giving them all your money, getting out of the porn industry, going on probation, and, uh, and basically letting them ruin your life. So this is why back in the 70s, the industry lawyers got together and they said, how do we help porn companies avoid being um, – tried for obscenity charges we're not talking about winning obscenity cases we just said how do we avoid not getting charges filed against us in the first place and what they came up with was you need to avoid violence blood fisting incest and scat i'm not going to explain scat you go you look can it look up. it up bestiality is also on the list don't do those things now over the years those so what happened was uh, different presidents decide whether or not they want to go after the porn industry or not. The Reagan presidency, Reagan had a lot. They had an entire thing called the Mies Report where they went after the industry. The Bush presidency, George W. Bush, was really unfavorable to porn, and under him, people like Max Hardcore went to jail. Uh, Rob Black went to jail. Uh, there was another performer making or distributing bestiality stuff that went to jail. 
Um, and they had charges going against John Stagliano. Then when Obama took over as president back in 2008, he took all of the people that were high-end people off of the obscenity task force, and the people that were left had limited resources to work with to continue to prosecute John Stagliano. And so the judge ended up dismissing all charges against John Stagliano on the third day. And then there were no more obscenity cases filed under Obama. So mm-hmm. that without cases being filed, people started to push the system and push and push the guidelines and just try it and see what would happen. And so that's why now you see a lot of incest videos and you see a lot of, um, of violent videos as well. But here's my my statement. Okay, pay attention now. This is again is an important play area for you to pay attention. You need to think about what happens if the government does decide to prosecute obscenity and what would happen to you. Because if you get chosen to be a government victim on this, and and I I say victim because I don't agree with any obscenity charges for the most part. I think free speech should be treated as free speech. But if they target you, again, you're going to spend every dollar that you have and you're going to be out of the business. And it only takes one you know, let's say you shoot. I've shot uh, fifteen, like two thousand scenes now. If they pick one little scene you shot that had somebody being too aggressive in like a male raping a female way, or one little scene that had some you know peeing in it where a girl peed on a guy or a guy peed on a girl, and they decide to prosecute you, your life as you know it is over. That's all it takes is one little mistake you make. So is it worth it for you to make content that could end up getting prosecuted? Now, under Donald Trump, we have not seen any uh, obscenity prosecutions. But but Donald Trump is uh, 70-something years old, not saying I want the president to pass away or anything like that. But if President Trump did pass away, Vice President Pence would take over. His reputation oh is very much – as a somewhat of a religious activist, and his theory, his thinking on um, obscenity might be very different than Trump's, and but so to, he might, to, yeah, to your reactivate point, though, the obscenity task yeah. force, and all of a sudden, our entire right. industry might change rapidly. Jim, but to 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 your point, it's the it was Pence and um, his ilk who oversaw the bringing of judges to um, the, you know, the, the circuit court. So you may come up against a state judge uh, who came from the federal society, and that's your worst nightmare. Uh, so Pence actually, even though they weren't going after pornography or anything even close to that, um, they have put in over a hundred uh, lower court judges, all of whom have come from this federal society type um, situation, and they are very, very, very ultra conservative. So you have to be very careful from that standpoint. Um, Glenn, to this point, we've talked a lot about um, it. May maybe the the concept here might be the kisses concept of starting off have an idea keep it simple and and develop your your abilities i mean i'm sure when you started i know when i started 
um, there it was to me, okay, I just want to get a framework down. I'll be more creative as I get to understand what I'm doing. Is that a, a fair way of starting things off? I would completely agree. Absolutely. Keep it simple. Just you know, decide what you want to do. Don't try to conquer Rome in a day, but uh, but try to make great content without you know overdoing it. I do think that's an issue. Uh, mm -hmm. When I talk to a lot of young producers, people who are just getting started, you know, they want to make features the first time out, right? And that's not easy. That's really not even if you just came out of film school. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to just make a scene. Uh, I personally believe every scene should have a plot. I'm not a fan of what they call Gonzo. Mm -hmm. Where you kind of just have a guy and a girl and just say have sex and you know then everybody kind of talks while they're doing it. I you know I think you should come up with some kind of plot because you have to come up with some way to make every bit of content unique, and uh, and that's that's one way to do it. But I also am a big fan of don't overcomplicate it. Right. Uh, you know, like one of the things I I constantly bang Jimmy, my my producer director guy that works for me, he's production assistant, et cetera, is that. What'll do it, you know, so at the end of every scene, they have a pop shot. That's where the guy ejaculates, right? Mm -hmm. Jimmy always wants to have the girl do about another five minutes of dialogue after that. So he'll yell at her, okay, now say, thank you very much for coming in today. Uh, you're, you didn't pass the job interview, so go right. ahead and grab your clothes and head towards the doorbell. And I'll go, Jimmy, stop, stop. <laughs> just, just tell her to say you didn't get the job, and then that's will fade out on that. Right. You know, people don't give a shit about watching porn movies after the pop shot for another five minutes. You, you want to keep it simple. They're not looking for the they're not looking for the last, uh, you know, the last great uh, bit of dialogue toward the end of the show. They're not, uh, although they do appreciate some good acting, as I right. just did in the movie Cock Queen, my movie Cock mm -hmm. Queen that's coming out, where we really did make a feature. But speaking of Cock Queen, Jim, you see, mm -hmm. I was in all four scenes of Cock Queen as the male performer, and I know that you and many other people wonder, how do I do it? A 50-year-old man that performs in these porn videos and never has any problems with wood or having erections. Any idea how I do it, Jim? I think I know. It starts with blue. Exactly. The great Blue Chew. I use Blue Chew. I am a customer of BlueChew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. They are the people that came up with the world's first chewable erectile dysfunction pills. Chewable so that it goes into your bloodstream a lot faster and works a lot faster than the other stuff. And by the way... Uh, when I say chewable erectile dysfunction pills, I mean chewable erectile dysfunction pills that actually have the exact same ingredients as those that are found in Cialis and Viagra. In other words, generics are now available. So you can get Blue Chew for yourself. In fact, you can get Blue Chew for yourself for free by using our promo code of ADULT, just A-D-U-L-T, at checkout, and they'll charge you $5 for shipping, give you your first order for free. But just think how simple this is. I mean, I've been using Cialis for a long time, but <laughs> I used to have to go to my doctor, and uh, and then it's like the worst part is that he's got a really hot uh, nurse. Right. Uh, what, what do they call the person? They don't call them nurses anymore, do they, Jim? The uh, person? Well, it depends. Some are physician assistants, some are nurses. So. Okay. Well, 
physician's assistant. He's got a really hot physician's assistant. And then, so I don't get to talk to my doctor every time. Uh, I, I highly recommend, well, I don't want to say his name on the air. Okay. So right. he's a great doctor, but I don't get to talk to him. So then I have to explain to her that, yeah, you know, I, I need some Cialis. And then she, oh, well, what's the problem? And it's like, just, just shut up. Give me the sales. So <laughs> you don't want to have to go through all that. And then I used to have to go over to the pharmacy and stand in line. And then right. they have to legally ask you, well, sir, do you have any questions about your Cialis that you want us to answer about how to use it? And, you know, then the other people in line get to see you getting this and, and then they can ask you questions like, oh, are you having problems with your dick, sir? <laughs> so... You don't have to do that if you go to bluetooth.com. No, you do get a pres- Yeah, you you do get a prescription at Bluetooth. I mean, it's you're getting uh, prescription grade stuff from real doctors, but what you do is you go to their website, there's a little box there that says please state your problem. Just write in there, I am having trouble with erections or I need help with erections. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to put. A doctor will review it and then issue a prescription that is legal for you and then the Bluetooth will be shipped directly to your home i have some in front of me right here it's in a little pouch that's you hear the pouch crinkling so that's a pouch uh very discreet pouch very discreet little in each pill comes in its own little individual package and tastes like pez um i'm pretty sure it's cherry flavored but not entirely 100 percent sure but it's delicious so yeah, give that a try go. and then you will be like me uh in that you'll perform well, every time. And most importantly, you'll have the confidence as you go into your date or your production, you know, or anywhere that you need an erection. Let's say maybe you need an erection going to um, the the concert that you're going to go to tonight. I don't know why you would need erection for that, but a lot of people feel like they want to go to a club and have an erection. Maybe we'll just edit that out, Jim. I don't think that makes any sense. <laughs> but Whatever you need. I didn't know where you're going there, bud. I was just gonna let you go. Thanks. I thought it was good when I started saying it, but then I realized this is just weird. So we <laughs> won't say that. Whether you need an erection for a date that you're going on, or whether you need an erection for uh, performing in an adult video, the important thing is you need the confidence to know that you you're gonna have that erection. If you don't have the confidence, you can get into a, a self killing, a self fulfilling prophecy where you kill your own erection by thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna get an erection." You take these pills and you will have the confidence knowing that you'll have an erection. So go to bluechew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com and use our checkout or our promo code ADULT at checkout. That'll get you a free uh, first order for free. We'll have it all in the show box below so everybody will be able to follow along. It should be good. So by all means. Uh, Last thing here as we start to wrap things up here, boss. Um, Let's talk about distribution of the content once you shoot it absolutely so here's the great news i'm telling you this is what makes the industry this is what has dramatically changed the industry okay when i first started in the industry you had to have a distributor that distributor would be responsible for taking the dvds that you made and then shipping them to stores all over the country where people could walk into the store and look on the shelf and see your box cover and your DVD and get it. And I am very proud to say or happy to say that you no longer have to be in that situation because they held all the power back then. And uh, and also, it took a lot of time for you to get paid back then. And 
Well, I would never suggest that any of my distributors ever skimmed on me, but I have heard stories in the industry that there's really no way to tell if your distributor was actually paying you what they owed you. And when they told you, well, we sold 1,000 DVDs, was it really 2,000 DVDs? Who knew? But now you can distribute online yourself. You can set up a website where basically people pay to see your content and where you know every time somebody buys it. There are websites like Clips for Sale, I Want Clips, and many vids. I use all three of those where you make a clip, you you upload it, put a description and a couple of pictures, and people can start buying it 10 minutes later, five minutes later. There are websites like OnlyFans where you can go and just set up a little membership subscription. You don't have OnlyFans, all these websites I'm talking about, they do all the web hosting for you. So all you really have to do is the uploading. But OnlyFans lets you just charge, you know, $20 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever you want to charge and start putting content up. And then people pay to see it. And you, it also allows you to uh, have pay per view content as well, where people, uh, pay every time or just pay to see a specific clip pay-per-view is not the right word but pay content that you put where people pay by the clip instead of paying for a monthly membership yeah, pay by the download pay by the download i guess yeah mm -hmm. something like that uh, so there's only fans there are all the clip sites there are sites like aebn and hot movies now that one is where people pay by the minute for your content or they pay mm -hmm. by the download mm -hmm. so Lots of places that you can start selling your content and then have it, you know, within a, a day or so, start making money on, on it and get paid in a check within 15 mm -hmm. days or, or 30 days at the max. One last thing. Um, any tips on social media, how to use it, how what to use, what not to use, how to do it? You know, um, what you're really getting into at that point there is how do I advertise my content? And mm -hmm. there are two ways to do it these days. Again, Boy, the industry is so – on one hand, there was more money in the industry back then, but it's so easy, much easier these days in that when I when I first got in the industry, you had to do all kinds of um, affiliate programs to get people mm -hmm. to market your content for you. And you had to sit there and writing all these checks to all these different affiliates who arguably weren't doing anything really to make the money for you. Right. But now you simply uh, advertise your content on social media. Well, actually, there's two places I like to advertise my content. The other is the tube sites. But you can establish a, a you know, Twitter is probably the best way to do it these days. You set up a Twitter account and you start putting up pictures of your content and attract followers. And you're going to try to get people who are into the kind of content that you do. So it's really important that you decide in advance what are you going to specialize in. You know, don't just wing it. Like if you're going after foot worship people, for example, then you need to make sure your content has a lot of foot worship in it, obviously. But when you're trying to gather up people to be fans of your content, you need to make sure you use the hashtag foot worship every time you post a picture so that people who are searching on the word foot worship see it. So make sure you – I've seen this all the time. People will put up a tweet saying new scene out and with a, with a trailer running for the scene, mm -hmm. but they don't tell people – new scene with foot worship in it so then people don't actually find and see the content and see the tweet that they, they put up right so very important that you you hashtag and that you use keywords to identify your content see now this is the part where i apologize to the asian models or the the african-americans or, or whoever who don't want to be put into a box i get it 
you know, if you're an Asian performer, you don't want to think if people to only think that you can only do movies called Asian, you know, Asian goddesses number seven. But as the producer, it's so incredibly important for you to categorize your content because there are people out there looking for it. You need to, to tell people if you shoot um, a new scene with the crypto queen, Brenna Sparks, who's coming up mm-hmm. on a, another episode of this podcast very soon. You're going to want to put on there uh, teenage or you know uh, dark hair or big boobs. You're going to want mm-hmm. to put Asian. You're going to want to put on there uh, pretty feet. You know what I mean? You have to let people know what kind of content that you've got. Right. Brunette, and you definitely want to let people know yeah. that she's Asian because she's mm-hmm. Asian and there are lots of fans of Asian performers. People are attracted to Asian women. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are people that like redheads, blondes. Mm-hmm. Etc. And there are people that like Asians and African Americans, and you just want to let them know what you've shot. So you use Twitter for that, and I also use tube sites. And, you know, tube sites have a bad reputation for a good reason. They got to where they are by stealing our content and giving it away for free. However, this is where people go to find porn these days: is Pornhub and Xhamster and Xvideos. And if you don't put your content on there, you're not getting in front of the people that potentially could buy it. So um, I put up trailers and you know truncated, shortened versions of my content for free on the tube sites, and that is probably where I get the majority of my traffic is from those sites. So right. manage your social media and think about where you want to go to advertise. So just looking through a couple of other questions that I want to try mm-hmm. to give some quick answers to people okay. for. Number one, where do I find talent? So if you're shooting uh, content in Los Angeles, California, it's relatively easy to find talent because there are a bunch of talent agencies that you can find that have performers for you. So for that, you just need to Google um, talent agencies, adult talent agencies, and then you can start you can start booking talent through the talent agencies. Talent agencies are wonderful to deal with. A lot of people don't like to use them, but let me explain real quickly that the talent agency is responsible for running the the, the performer's calendar. So they're gonna t- they're gonna tell her, hey, you have a scene next Tuesday, and it's at ten a.m. And they're gonna make sure she remembers it, and they're gonna make sure she knows her wardrobe, and they're gonna make sure she knows what to bring to set, and so on. And if she has any questions about rates. They're going to help her understand what's the correct – what she should be paid and what she should be doing on set that day. So agencies are very good to use, especially for new companies. Very easy to book talent that way. Um, there was one other question I wanted to answer real quickly mm-hmm. here. Testing system. Jim, there was one other thing that people uh, asked me about, and this is sure. really important, and that's the testing system. So we are one of the most unique workplace environments in the world in that we are actually putting people together in our workplace who might exchange, who will exchange bodily fluids and they might get a disease as a result. And it's up to us as producers to do our very best to help them avoid getting a disease on set. And that's why we have a system in place in our industry uh, that, says that every uh, uh, performers get tested within 14 days of their scene. Doctors have studied this and studied our industry and scientifically um, known, figured out that this is what the optimal uh, number of days is, is 14 days. You can't just 
go to any doctor for this. Your performer needs to go to a doctor, uh, to a clinic that is specifically certified by the industry to do the correct panel of tests. Very important that that they go to the correct doctor, to an industry um, certified doctor clinic, instead of just going to their own doctor. We need to make sure that they took um, the, for example, there are several different types of HIV tests and some of them are much more reliable than others. You can't just give your performer uh, like a ready, what they call it, a ready test, you know, mm-hmm. where they can be on set and give you a response within 20 seconds of whether it's uh, yes, HIV or no HIV. First off, no, you got to test. A false, perf- yeah, you'll get a false positive in cases like that sometimes. You could. But you also have to test performers for gonorrhea and chlamydia mm-hmm. and all kinds of different diseases it's not just a matter of testing for HIV. So there's talent testing service. There is uh, cutting edge testing. Those are two of them. There's a third one that they just added. You can get all the information you need to know about the testing system at the freespeechcoalition.com or it's just freespeechcoalition.com. We'll and, put that in the show box so that people know where to find it. Yeah. I would like to have the head of the Free Speech Coalition come on to mm-hmm. our show very soon and talk to us about how they come up with these uh, the system here. So there you go, Jim. That's kind of – I mean we could go on for – we could do a part two of this and cover another three mm-hmm. hours of, of production. But I think what we've done here is we've given our audience the ability to get started, and now they know what follow-up questions they need to ask us. Mm-hmm. So well, you've given a master's class uh, today. Yeah. This is a master's class on getting started. I should have charged you guys for this. Everyone who's watching this needs to to sell something in your house and send the money to me. Uh, Just kidding. Everything's free. We we never charge people for our podcast because we love to share with our audience. So, right. Uh, But if you if you have follow up questions, which I'm sure you do, you can email them to let's talk adult at gmail.com and we'll check it. I'm sure neither Jim nor I has checked it in in a while, but we're going to check it and answer some of those questions for you. Right. We're here. We're here to serve. We're not the government, but we're here to serve. (laughs) Right. All right. So wrapping us up, Jim. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're not one of the over 50,000 people who've taken the opportunity to subscribe to this podcast, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, we make it simple. You can find us in the iTunes store because we're happy to be part of the Apple podcast group. Same thing happens with when you go to Google Play. Why? Because we're part of the Google Podcast family. We're on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, as well as TuneIn, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Now, if for some reason you cannot find us, then if you have an assistant device like Alexa or uh, the Google ones or the folks with Apple, of course, that's the Siri group, just ask for the latest edition of Let's Talk Adult, and they'll play it for you. Also, check out your Google machine and type in Let's Talk Adult. And if you can't find it there, all you have to do is hit the the, the uh, favorite button or the subscribe button. And each week, you'll get a brand new edition of the podcast sent to your phone or to your tablet or to both. So very simple to do. Please go out and do it today. Okay, Mr. G. Hey, don't uh, forget, subscribe to the podcast and rate and review the podcast don't even Absolutely. listen to the podcast. Just do those other things. Rate us and review us. Subscribe. Push up those iTunes numbers. Exactly. That's what I want. There you go. All right. So any final thoughts, my friend? 
So my final thoughts are that everyone can get into the porn industry these days. Don't feel like just because you are outside of California or outside of Florida that you can't be in the industry. You can. Everybody can do it. You just need the, the creative mind, and then you need the enthusiasm and the can-do-it-ism to get out there and make your own stuff. So do it. Get out there. Have fun. Make some great content. Put it up, and then send us a, a tweet or an email or something saying, hey – I decided to make content after listening to your podcast, and here it is. What do you think? We'll even review it for you on a show. Yeah, that would be great. We'll do that. Good idea. Yeah. We'll do some uh, do some reviews and some, you know, give you some tips on what you did right and what uh, you might be able to do better next time. There you go. All righty. Thank you so much for listening to the great podcast. And again, I'm Glenn Kings, and that's Jim Williams. Tune in next time.